Welcome to this sermon from Silver Lake Baptist Church. Our mission is to celebrate the greatness of God with all we are for the joy, hope, and renewal of our community. We are so glad you have chosen to listen to our message. We pray you will be blessed by your time with us today. Good morning. So, Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for, for just being so thankful to us. And we just give you the praise for that. Holy Spirit, speak through me this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. So I'm um, going to dive right in because i got so much I want to get to. Um, and my head's like spinning like eight million. Cause it's like I never like, oh my gosh, what am I going to preach? It's, oh my goodness, what am I going to preach? How am I going to narrow this down and get it through? Because just the Holy Spirit's just talking so much to me about a heart. And I've been talking a lot about um, walking in the Spirit and not the flesh. And that's what the whole book, that's what the whole Bible's trying to get us to teach us is about Jesus and his love for us and his heart for us. And not walking in the, the flesh, but walking in the Spirit. And we say that over and over and over and over again. And then, we're, then I'll walk back and I'm like, well, what is that? You know, it's like I get a horse and I tell someone, I was like, hey, step up to that horse's shoulder and just talk to him, cluck a little and ask him to go. And if you've never been around a horse, you'll look at me like, you know what, it's nice that you know what that is, but I have no clue, right? And, and so and sometimes a horse, you cluck wrong, like I have my stallion, I was working him and I was working with him and I, we were all done with what we were doing and I was just sitting there and, and I was a little unfair to him because I kind of surprised him and I was like, you know what, get up and I... And I was rude in my intensity, and he turned around and kicks. And both hind feet just go like this, right by my head. And he turns around and looks at me like, buddy, I can get you anytime I want. (laughs) And so I was like, okay. Uh, We're going to work at this a little bit, and I'm going to gain a little bit more understanding and not get get, stay so impatient. And so... I think what we don't know, in Genesis, there's a scripture that, that where they were given the blessings to the children of Israel, and they gave the blessing to Benjamin, which I think is really, really critical, because in ben, um, Benjamin means son of my right hand. But it said, said, said blessed, uh, loved by, beloved by God, you will dwell in security. And I think that's the key to everything that we find when we're going through the scriptures we hear we always hear like i had a pastor one time he told me he's like he's like we got to develop the fruit of the spirit and he's like you need to develop patience and you need to, it's like i'm not a doctor i don't need no patience right you you need to do good at long suffering i was like i've listened to your sermons i'm really good at hearing the long suffering right i've endured right i've done all this thing and all it's done is given me a list of checks do 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 and we don't really understand that the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, gentleness, goodness, meekness. Against such, there is no law. You know what he's saying? He's saying, walk in the Spirit and not in the flesh. It's walking in what? Walking in love. Walking in who we really are. We're always trying to be someone that, that we're not. And we forget that, that we are sons and daughters of the Most High God. We are sons at the right hand, and we're not living. Here's how I can tell if I'm not in walking in the Spirit. Are, are you loving someone? Right? Um, are you being patient? Are you being kind? Well, wouldn't like the opposite of 
The fruit of the Spirit, when I know I'm in the flesh, is when I'm hating somebody, when I'm being rude. So it's real simple when you see what, well, what is walking in the Spirit? What is the fruit of the Spirit? And it's kind of a gauge for me, especially when I'm driving to church. <laughs> right? And so, so people can be really rude to you, right? And, and they can ride, drive really slow. So I get a check every time I drive to church. Why? Because I'm getting this, am I in the spirit or am I in the flesh? Do I want to yell at these people or run over them? Or do I just want to, you know? So we always get this, am I walking in the spirit or am I walking in the flesh? And, and is it, we, we know that it's love because the Bible says that God is what? Love, right? So that's how, how we can check. And so... Um, it says here in, um, actually, I'm going to go to 1 Corinthians first. I, I preach this at every wedding, right? You know the love chapter? Anybody remember it where it talks about God is love? Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 13. I don't always preach this part, but I, I get to it, right? So it says at the end of it, it's actually 12 technically. It says, and now I will show you the most excellent way. What is the most excellent way? If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am a resounding gong and a clanging cymbal. Listen to that. If I speak in tongues of men and and of angels, but I have not love, I am only a resounding gong and a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains, we always want that. Hey, I've got, I'm a mountain faith, mountain moving dude, man. I love God and God loves me, but you can go to hell out there if you don't believe like me. You know what you've just become? Just like, do you remember the gong show? Am I dating myself? Like they had this big gong and they got boing, and that's what it was, and it was so annoying. Or someone scratching, like, their fingers on the chalkboard. Do you remember what that is? They say, oh, I love you so much, you rotten sucker. <laughs> Look at me, though. Look how holy I am. Look how righteous I am. Look how, if you just do like I do, and then we're let, they're looking like, <laughs> I don't want to do like you do. Because if that's what you, your faith does for you, I don't want no part of it. Right? I want more than, than just a do. Jesus called the Pharisees. He said, you guys are just a bunch of whitewashed sepulchers. Like he didn't. He said, Cause you have a form of godliness, but, but deny the power thereof. What's the greatest power that there was? Was love. It wasn't about doing. We're waiting for Jesus to come back. And so were they. The Pharisees and the Sadducees, they're waiting for Jesus to come back. And Jesus is standing right there in front of them. And they were so stuck in their their religious philosophy and their legalism that they missed Jesus right then and right there. And I was like, I love that Jesus is coming back, but he's here, right here, right now, in and through us. And that's what the world wants to see. Are we going to miss him? Or are we going to let him live through us right now? Christ in us, the hope of glory. We're seated with Christ in 
heavenly places, and he's walking in here through us right now, and he's wanting to love people through his spirit, through his power that we're connected with, that we're one with. Rather than trying to get everybody to line up to our ideals and what we want. What are we really dependent on? Are we dependent on the outside? It doesn't matter what, who lives in the White House or who's in the, in the people's house. Is, is, our, is our only survival and hope based on that or is it based on who Jesus is and what he's done in our lives? And how we're going to treat other people around us. Because really, that's when you get into the legalistic parts of the law, really, it's fulfilling the flesh. Right? Because it's saying, give me a checklist of something that I can do, and I'll do it, and then that'll save me. It's still, in a way, it's the spirit of Antichrist, because it's saying, I don't need Christ. And we're worried about who we're going to figure out who the Antichrist is, if it's Obama or if it's Trump or if it's, you know, Elon Musk or, or Mark Zuckerberg or whoever. I guarantee you it won't matter who it is. You can't do nothing about it. So let's do something about what we can do now. And I say that because I used to love eschatology, not just the escalators at the airport, but <laughs> studying of the end times, you know what I mean? I still do. I love that. But I, it hit me one day. I'm trying to f- wait for Jesus to come back for me to live or wait till I go to heaven to live. Why not allow him to live through me right here and right now? What am I missing? What, what is distracting me from what I'm going to do? Because I can't change any of that stuff. But what I can change is am I going to walk in the spirit? Am I going to love people? And that's the key to everything, right? And he's saying if you don't have love, you're just a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge. And if I have a faith that can move mountains but have not love, I am nothing. I don't have nothing. I am nothing. That's a big statement. If I give all I possess to the poor and surrender my body to the flames but have not Love, I gain nothing. Doesn't matter. No matter what you have, no matter how many horses you have, how good looking you are, how many fancy cars you drive, how many houses you have, none of that matters if you don't have love. Then it says what love is love is patient. Actually, it says, if I give all I possess to the poor and surrender my body to the flames, but have not love, I gain nothing. Like, man, you can even go hang on a cross yourself. But you're not doing it for the same reason Jesus did it. You don't have to because you already did in Jesus, right? Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It, it is not proud. It is not rude. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Can I, can I rewind that just a second? Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It is not rude. 
It is not self-seeking and it is not easily angered. Right? I didn't say that. Paul says that, right? It keeps no record of wrongs. You know, it reminds me, I love going back to the, to the um, Torah and the Tanakh, the Old Testament, and reading that. And, and part of the reason I, I like reading that, because there's somewhere in there where it says, as far as the east is from the west, he's forgiven us, he'll remember our sins no more. Do you know how far that is? That's a long ways, right? That's in the, the Tanakh, in the, in the Jewish scriptures, by, by the way. Actually, we were walking through um, Arlington, and we were going through, they had this little, I don't know, marketplace thing, and we're walking down. Me and Linda actually went and got something to eat at the bowling alley in Arlington. It's good food, man, right? So we got out, and we're walking down, and we're walking by this place, and they're handing out New Testament Bibles. And this guy goes, hey, would you guys like a Bible? And Linda starts to say, oh, no, I'm sorry. We have so many Bibles. We're pastors. And I couldn't even help myself. But I was like, no, thank you. We're Jewish. <laughs> and he looks at me, just stunned. And Linda just turns around and walks off. She, she's like, we, we have Proverbs and Psalms in here. And I was like, are you kidding me? You have two, two books from... The Tanakh, from, from the Torah, the basis, the setup of everything. And you're trying to give a Jewish dude the cell that, oh yeah, you can find Jesus and he's a real thing. Buy two books in the Tanakh. Because if you can't convince him on all the other books, he's going to walk straight off. Like, just like I did. I was like, when I got done, I was like, I didn't want it. Bless their heart. We're trying. That's why we give away full Bibles, and we give away full Bibles because we want people to know, hey, we believe in the whole council. And, and I see what they're trying to do. I'm not trying to be legalistic. But what I'm trying to say is there's a point in time where where is our foundation? Are we going to pick and choose what we're going to give people, or are we going to give them love and show them the way and then let them see the whole picture from the beginning to the end? And that's a lot of times what we do. In life, as we try to sugarcoat things, or we try to show people what really affected us, but we may, they may grow up in a completely different culture that has nothing to do with what we grow up in, and they ain't even interested in the part that we are until they find the part that they see Jesus in right here, right? And so he's, he's saying, love is patient, love is kind, it does not envy. Well, what is this for the Spirit? Love. That's a good start of it, right? So, it's not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. You know what? If that's love, the Bible says that God is love. So, you you can... You can intertwine and change out God's name in here. You could be saying, God is patient. God is kind. God does not envy. He does not boast. He is not proud. He is not rude. He is not self-seeking. He is not easily angered. How many of us have heard that? Like, I grew up thinking God was this big old 
thing with Wapamo, man. Just like pop, 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 pop. That's not my God. That's a different version of God than I know. My God's a God that gave his life for me. That means he's not easily mad. Oh my gosh, you messed up. I better whop you. That's, that's, that's not my God. It, the Bible says that that's not love. But I'm doing it out of love. Do you ever have someone do that? They come up to punch you in the nose. You know, I'm doing it because I love you. You know what? Well, let me cut your head off and see it. I'll see how much you love that, you know? I really felt loved. It doesn't make any sense, does it? But God is patient. God is kind. He does not envy. He does not boast. He is not proud. He is not rude. He is not self-seeking. He is not easily angered. And he keeps no record of wrongs. So now, like, I'm not, I didn't say this. This is in the scriptures. Boy, we're good at it. I got my own book. Got tons of names in it. You cut me off driving the Prius. So now, because you did that to me, I don't like any Priuses. You know what? I kept the record of one person's wrong, and do you know what it did? It made me think of everybody else badly, too. Love, God does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. He always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. God never fails. But where there are prophecies, they will cease, and where there are tongues, they will be, be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away, for we know in part and we prophesy in part, but when perfection comes, the imperfect disappears. When I was a child, I talked like a child, I thought like a child, and I reasoned like a child. When, when I became a man, I put away childish things. How we see but a poor, now we see but a poor reflection in the mirror Then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. And now these things remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of them is what? Is love. I like that. That's pretty cool, isn't it? And so when I think of love, I think of Jesus, right? Because of what, what he's done for, for me and, and, and who he is. And he's kind of, to me, so when I was younger, we used to mow hay in the summer and get on this ranch. I actually worked for this dude, man. He is crazy. He is richer and he is smart. But he thought it was funny because he raised Charlotte cattle and thoroughbreds. And so he'd bring these thoroughbreds off the track, say, Here, here's your new cow horse. So, so we'd be like out to rope a calf. Remember, I got this this um, gray horse. He has a gilding. He has, he won quite a bit of money on the racetrack. He is fast. He's only eight. When he come to me, and he he's like, oh, we'd go out and we'd rope and tag the calves. So you'd rope them and then put a tag in their ear and and give them shots. And so we'd do it all from horseback. And so we went out one day to rope 
and it was my first day on Gator, and Gator is a racehorse. If you don't know, when you pull on it back on a racehorse, it just means go faster. <laughs> so I'm after the calf, which didn't take me but a second. I thought, this is awesome. We got it. I went like this, and you had to be fast, too. Like, you couldn't be diddling, because those Charlotte cattle get in your shorts, man. They'll crawl up on a truck with you or run over the horse or whatever. Like, they, they're, they're nasty, right? And, and so here I, I rope it. And I was like, whoa, pull back. And I just felt another gear. And I was like, I'm going to let go of this rope. Good thing I didn't tie off, right? And about two miles later, we finally come to a stop, stop right? But, but he always done stuff like that. But he stuck me in this, in this tractor, and it was a mower. Back in, in um, south of I-40, you have to mow the, the grass because if you get up north, but they have, especially the alfalfa, they had blister, blister bugs. Actually, it was south, not, not north. It was free. So we were south of I-40, and so we were mowing. And so we were mowing grass, mowing everything, and it was a sickle bar that kind of went out. And on that sickle bar, they had something that held everything together. And if you hit a rock or you hit the ground or you hit something else, they, they had this shear pin. And that shear pin would snap. And do you know what you would do? You would stop. You'd go under there. You'd get your rock or some prop, prop the, the mower sickle up, and you'd put the shear pin back in. Right? If you didn't have that shear pin, you couldn't mow. I think they put it in there so it would break so that you had hope when you were an idiot like me. But they had a whole box of them for me because I needed them, Right? And so, so I did more, I learned more about putting shear pins in than I did mowing a pasture, right? But it taught me something. Without that pin, there was nothing. That little thing we thought was so little was so important to getting the job done. And without it, nothing would have happened. And you know what? To me, the shear pin to our faith is love. Because if you don't have that, nothing else works, right? It says in Romans 14, 13, he says, Therefore, let us stop passing judgment on one another. Instead, make up your mind not to put any stumbling block or obstacle in your brother's way. As one who is in the Lord Jesus, I am fully convinced that no food is unclean itself in itself But if anyone regards something as unclean, then for him it is unclean. If your brother is distressed because of what you eat, you are no longer acting in love. Do not by your eating destroy your brother for whom Christ died. Do not allow what you consider good to be spoken of as evil. What's he saying? He's like, you may have a freedom to do something, but if it's going to cause your brother to to be hurt... Why do that? I was at, at a Jewish um, conference, and they were Messianic Jews, but they were bringing, invited some other people to this men's conference, and they actually held it at a Christian camp. And so there's another part going on where there was Christian uh, um, people there, too, that had no problem with eating kosher, right? But we had some Jewish people there that did. And so these these brothers come in and they, they were believers and they're like wanting to experience 
you know, the Jewish part of it. And so they sat down in front of these Jewish people who weren't even Messianic Jews yet and started eating bacon. And the rabbi pulled them aside and he's like, hey, boys, he's like, if you want to do that, go over there and do that. But he's like, well, I'm free. I'm free. They should be free. They should have to be free. And you know what? It actually created a stumbling block for, for those brothers. Now, he had the freedom to eat the bacon, but there's a time where maybe we say, what's, what's love there? You know what? I'm going to pull back, and I'm not going to eat bacon this morning. One morning's not going to kill you. Right? So my brother can maybe find Jesus and find hope, right? It says, for the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Isn't that good news? So, uh, I've been stuck on this a lot um, on Matthew 2, because it really sums up to me. I was talking about love being the, the linchpin, but there's a person, and I believe that person himself is love, and his name is Jesus. And without him, we, we don't have anything. So I was reading in, in Matthew 16, and, and it starts off with the Pharisees and Sadducees came in, to Jesus and tested him by asking him to show them a sign. Remember, we're believers. Signs follow us, and these signs shall follow you. What's the difference between the Sadducees and Pharisees? We're always looking for a sign, but as believers, signs follow us, right? And so now he's like, show us a sign. He replied, when evening comes, you say it will be fair weather for the sky is red. And in the morning today, it will be stormy for, for the sky is red and overcast. You know how to interpret the appearance of the sky, but you cannot interpret the signs of the times A wicked and adulterous generation looks for a miraculous sign, but none will be giving except the sign of Jonah. Jesus then left them and went away. What's he saying? He's like, you guys are looking for all these signs, and you're trying to dot all these I's and cross all these T's, and when you can't, you're making up your own alphabet. And now I'm standing right here in front of you, and you can't even tell that I'm the Messiah, I'm the one that you have been waiting on. I wonder if Jesus, if he'd be welcome in a lot of, lot of our circles nowadays. Would we recognize him? See anything like what we think we believe or what our old doctrines taught us or... I love doctrine. Doctrine's solid. But would we really know him? Because I want to know him right now. They didn't. They're too busy looking for a sign that they missed Jesus right there in front of them. Then he goes on and t- he goes across the sea and he tells them, be, be leery of the, of the leaven of the Sadducees, of the yeast of the Sadducees and the, and the Pharisees and and, and I always hear, hear this taught as sin, but sin is simply missing the mark. And we all miss the mark. Anybody ever play basketball? You know what? If you miss the basket, it's a sin. That's missing the mark. 
Like how many, even the greatest basketball players of all time miss the mark. They're rotten sinners. Think of baseball. They're, they're, they're just heathens. <laughs> right? One third of the time they're going to hit it. Right? It's just missing the mark, man. We all, but Jesus come and he hit the mark and he says, now that I've passed the test in me, you have passed the test too. I'm not trying to tell you how rotten you are. I'm trying to tell you how loved you are that I gave my life for you so that you can be alive in me and live and know me. Not just have a bunch of rules. They have a relationship with the one who made everything. And that's good news. So when Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? Who do you say he is? Is he someone who's coming back one of these days? Or you're going to get to see him? I can't wait to see Jesus when I die and get to know him then. I ain't waiting. I don't like to wait on anything Neither does anybody else. That's why we have so many darn fast food restaurants. <laughs> I ain't waiting. I want to know him now. Know him in his power. Know him in his love. Know his heart. Walk with him and talk with him. I say he is the son of the most high God, but he's more than that. He's my savior and he's my friend. Who do you say he is? They replied, some say John the Baptist, and others say Elijah, and still others, Jeremiah or one of the prophets. But what about you, he asked, who do you say I am? Who is he to you? Who do you say he is? Who do you say I am? Say it, telling him right there. I am, that I am. Simon Peter Answered, heard of God, the rock. Answered, he was original rock. Before we had the movie guy. <laughs> you are the Christ, the son of the living God. You know what he's saying? You're the Messiah, the bar Elohim. Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon. Heard of God, son of Jonah. Remember the sign of Jonah? That Jesus, Jonah was in the belly of the well three days. And then come out. That's the sign he's talking about. Jesus was dead and buried for three days and then rose again. He's like, you're getting ready to see a sign. You want to see a sign? I'll give you a sign. Watch this. He said, for this was not revealed to you by man, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter. Now he's telling him, he's like, you are Petrus. Petros. Right? You are Peter. That's masculine, by the way, in Hebrew. He's like, I changed you from hearing, when you have rock-solid faith, to just hearing the word of God and being heard of God, to now you are rock-solid in your faith. And he's telling you what will make you rock-solid in your faith, if you'll listen, because he said, and on this rock, not on the Petros, but when you read the Greek, it's Petra. It's the feminine. A lot of people think, oh, well, Peter's a foundation. Peter is not the foundation. Peter had a revelation of the foundation and what it really was. And this is what it is. And on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatsoever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatsoever you loose on earth 
will be loose in heaven. What, what, what did he say? What did he say? He said, you are the Christ. You are the son of the living God. He recognized who he really was. That is the shear pin. That is the linchpin that sets us up for life because Jesus is love. How much love, more love can you get than laying down your life for your brother and your sister? Not much. He is love. He is peace. He is the Son of God. He is the great I am. He's not just God Jr. Don't call him JJ, Jesus Jr. Or GJ, whatever. He is God. And we're one with him. He's in us, and we're in him. And we can walk in him. We don't have to try to do. I just use that stuff, like not to give you more rules. Well, if I'm mad, I must be in the flesh. Jesus was mad. He wasn't in the flesh. It just depends on the context of stuff. I'll make rules about stuff, but it helps me think, wait a second, how, where am I really walking? Am I walking from inside? Though you sooner, um, Coach was talking about his players, and he's like, I want them to stand up in a meeting. I want them to talk to them from their chest. You know what he's saying? I don't want them to be thinking. I want them to talk from who they really are. And that's what I want to do. I want to live from my chest. I want to live from who I really am and who I am in him. Amen? If you don't know Jesus yet and you're out there, it's easy. He already died for you. He's not mad at you. He's not got a record book of all the things you've done. We'd all be in trouble, but he's telling you, you know what? Just come to me. I know you're tired. Come to me. Give me your heart, and I'll do things like you never dreamed. So, Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your love. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening. If you'd like to learn more about us, check out our website at www.silverlakebaptist.org.